0: Hello friends and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode number 81, listener supported. My name is Pete and joining me tonight are Matt.
1: What's up everybody?
0: And Tom. How's everybody doing? We're three guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop and men, let's do Disney. What's to do with you guys?
1: Not a whole lot, man. Got done um, celebrating Mother's Day back at the house now, and i um, just getting ready for the rest of the week. What about y'all?
2: About the same. Got, got some work I need to do, but I'm carved out some time to hang out with you guys and talk Disney today.
0: Happy Mother's Day to everyone who is a mother. Glad, you, glad you're glad you sharing your experience with us. Tonight we're going to answer some of your listener questions. We've We've had a bunch of questions come in really in the last week or so. And so we wanted to take a whole episode here to, to address those. Uh, before we get into that, let's go to Tom with the news.
2: Uh, starting in Epcot, Epcot space Theme Restaurant will be coming this year. Uh, back in 2017, believe it or not, uh, the D23 Expo Disney surprise guest by announcing a space-themed restaurant would be coming to Future World, and it would have special windows that simulate the views of the galaxy as diners travel high above the Earth during their meal. We now know that construction on this project has moved forward uh, pretty quickly, and Disney's announced a late 2019 opening for this restaurant. I think that's great uh, for Epcot. I think this restaurant's going to be cool if the concept art is any indication of what we're actually going to see. Uh, so it's really neat that this is going to open so quickly, but it is, I'm, I'm kind of mind blown that 2017 is when we first heard the news. Uh, moving to Disney Springs, as you know, Disney Quest is being replaced by the NBA Experience and tickets are now on sale. Uh, the NBA Experience will actually open August 12th. And it will open right before Star Wars Galaxy's Edge uh, does at Disney's Hollywood Studios. A single-day admission ticket will cost $34 plus tax for adults and 29 for children ages 3 to 9. The tickets can be purchased through Walt Disney on their website, on the Walt Disney World website, rather. And I, from, from what they've described it as, when you enter the NBA experience, you will feel as if you're walking through the player's tunnel at an NBA or WNBA arena, and will then be able to check out a variety of experiences themed to the world of basketball. Don't know how much interest this is going to have. I loved Disney Quest growing up, so I hope this, this does it justice uh, by, as a replacement. Going to some general uh, and resort news, uh, Harmony Barbershop and Bibbidi-Bobbidi Boutique can now be booked online. Uh, Disney's now expanded its online reservation system to include both uh, Bibbidi-Bobbidi Boutique, the Pirates League, and the Harmony Barbershop, which all previously required a phone reservation to book. And so you can now do this through the My Disney Experience app. And as we've hit multiple times, Disney's continuing to go down this route of putting everything on the phone and and giving you full access to your vacation without having to make phone calls or or emails or anything like that. Last piece of news we have is probably, uh, I take that back. We have another section after this, but staying with the general news, unwrapped Disney Skyway gondolas are now flying above your heads at Walt Disney World. They have been testing the gondolas for months now. However, they were wrapped in plastic. So you weren't actually able to see any of the theming. You could just see the gondolas themselves being tested. Well, now the gondolas are are open. uh, The the plastic is off, and they look incredible. Uh, There are featured characters from Star Wars, from Marvel, Disney Animation, and of course, Disney theme parks. I mean, I'm blown away by the artwork on the gondolas. As long as Disney takes care of them, which I hope they will, it is really neat to see them going through the sky.
0: They still don't have air conditioning, though.
2: Yeah, I, I really swung and missed there. I was for sure they would have air conditioning, but they have that unique. Um, I still can't. I always laugh at how they describe that they have vents,
0: passive
1: ventilation technology. Yeah, so they have a crack window, the basically. crack the window open. Yeah, crack the window open.
0: And then
2: our last bit of news: we do not cover Disneyland, so we try to stay only with Walt Disney World. But this one overlaps both of them. Galaxy's Edge is obviously about to open in. Disneyland. So with that, details are coming out that will also be present for Disney World's Galaxy's Edge. And basically, there the food and uh, drink menus have come out at Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo, which will be a restaurant within the Galaxy's Edge. I don't want to go through each item uh, per se, but it, it did look good. It looks unique. It looks different than any other restaurant we have at Walt Disney World. I can't speak to to Disney Springs, I know one thing that people were excited about was the blue milk that is going to be available within Galaxy's Edge. For some reason, it makes me cringe thinking about it. But if you're a big Star Wars fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, so you will you'll certainly be making your way over there for that.
0: Well, to me, this really the the food here. You know, looking at the pictures and and seeing the menu descriptions, it's really reminiscent of the food that they have available in Pandora. I think you know, so, as far as be, yep. being unique and. I it, it just seems like this food is a little bit higher quality, maybe, than what you would see in a lot of other Disney restaurants.
2: I think that's a good way to put it. I mean, we we rave about Satouli Canteen, and that is the exact reason. It seems like a higher quality, quick service meal. And so I think in these new immersive areas, Disney's taken the next step food-wise to not just serve you burger and fries. I also believe in Galaxy's Edge that like the, the bottled water like that would be, typically be Dasani or the Coke that would say Coca-Cola will have a different name on it.
0: Well, it's... Yeah, it's it's in the language of the Star Wars Galaxy.
2: My fear would be if they run out of these and then they have to bring a regular Coca-Cola in or a regular Dasani for sale. That that's my only fear with doing it that way. But
0: Yeah, that would that would kind of ruin the immersiveness. But but yeah, I, I this food does look good to to read one of the examples that they announced. You've got smoked ribs with a blueberry corn muffin and cabbage slaw. I mean, where else are you gonna find something like that? on disney property
2: nowhere nowhere else well that does it for me with the news unless you guys have anything you'd like to share in addition to what we've already shared
0: i think that is it so we'll just pause for a minute here to hear from uh, our sponsor kingdom strollers
3: so your family is coming to orlando and the thought of lugging your stroller onto the plane isn't your idea of fun but you're smart enough to know that conquering the theme parks of Orlando without a stroller for your kids could be a vacation killer. As parents ourselves, we get it. You're not asking for much. You just want the convenience of a clean, affordable stroller or crib delivered to your hotel or vacation home, ready to use. Welcome to Kingdom Strollers. A Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. To book your stroller or crib, just click on the item you'd like to reserve and select the dates for your rental. We run a tight ship, so we will never overbook. Next, tell us where you're staying and choose the times for delivery and pickup. Then, choose from helpful free accessories like cooler bags and rain covers. It couldn't be easier. If you have any questions or concerns, you can check our FAQ page or just give us a call. We are always ready to answer your questions. Once you've placed your reservation, there's nothing left to do except count down the days until you're in sunny Florida. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and book your stroller or crib from Kingdom Strollers today.
0: All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, and get cracking on some of these questions, guys. We've got a lot to get through, so uh, so we'll go ahead and just jump right in. Matt, you got, you got one you want to ask first?
1: So we got a question here. It says, my wife has awful motion sickness. What rides should we avoid? And I'm going to start us off and just say mission space, just don't even do it unless you're going to do, what is it? The orange, the orange shuttle. Do they still have that where it's, you know, t- a toned, toned down version Tom.
2: Yeah. I believe it's actually the green side. That's tame. Uh, but don't, don't 100% quote me on that. There is a tame side that, that does not have nearly the G force that you feel on the, what what I believe to be the orange side, the less tame, but, in general, even, you know, if motion sickness is a, is a deal for you, that is definitely a, an attraction I would avoid. I never personally have dealt with motion sickness, so it's hard for me to put myself in your shoes.
0: I think any of the roller coasters you've, you've got to leave out, especially the, the ones that are in the dark. I would say Space Mountain, Seven Doors Mine Train, Expedition Everest. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think you've got to leave all of those out. I mean, even something as simple as the, the, the Mad Tea Party or Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger Spin. I mean, you you move around a good bit on that. Toy Story Midway Mania jerks you around a good bit. So there's, I, I think I think maybe the the question is here is what do we uh,
1: what can you ride right? Yeah, what what can you ride? I, I think okay, let's just go through really quick. An Animal Kingdom. I think you're going to be safe on Kilimanjaro Safaris. I really think that's going to be okay. An Epcot. I think you know pretty much everything is going to be okay in Epcot, except for test track. Um, I don't know. Do you think Soren? Do you get motion sickness on Soren?
2: Yeah, I don't get. I mean, yeah, yeah. I I no, I know it's hard.
1: It's hard for you, Tom. And I mean, I don't really get bad motion sickness, but I could see Soren. I mean, maybe just stick to you know finding good restaurants, hanging out with the, the characters at Disney, and just making your way, enjoying people watching. But you know, just avoid the rides. But you also have single rider, single rider. Um, option as well. So you can ride the rides that maybe your wife doesn't want to, but yeah, just, you know, be cognizant of her needs and what she needs to do.
2: You got another question. Yeah. Moving to another question. How much do you budget? And this is kind of funny because we're talking about motion sickness. So how much do you budget per day for food? You certainly don't want that to come back up. Um, But I'd say there's a couple different ways to look at this. If this is a trip where it's all about maximizing your time in the park and not concerned about food, you can you can get out of Disney at you know about fifteen bucks per meal, twenty bucks at tops per meal if you're doing quick service locations. If if you carry your breakfast in, which I typically don't, you know I do that. I'll bring a Cliff Bar. I'm not a big breakfast eater myself. If you're looking to have a, a quick service lunch and a signature dining experience, probably more in the range of fifty to sixty dollars per day is what I would budget per person for per adult. Uh, but that that's the way I would look at it. How about you guys?
1: I think when you bring when you bring, you know, drinks into the equation, whether you like soft drinks, whether you like alcoholic beverages, whatever, I kinda agree with Tom there. I think you can you skimp by drinking water, going to the counter service and just, you know, get out of there for no more than fifty dollars in a day, depending on how many meals you eat. But I think when you start thinking about everything else involved, the alcohol, the sodas, the snacks, I think it's more a hundred dollars a day. What about you, Pete?
0: But that's not that's not to say that you can't do it. I mean, you can't eat breakfast before you go to the parks, bring a lunch in and leave for dinner and spend nothing on food and i think that's entirely possible but also on the other hand i mean you could spend 60 70 dollars a person a meal i mean there's a there's a really wide range there of what you could budget and is it entirely possible to go to the park all day and, and not spend anything on food yeah i think so if if you plan ahead if you bring in sandwiches i can't tell you how many times you see people sitting on a sitting on a bench outside of a restaurant eating a sandwich that they brought from home
1: yeah, one hundred percent. You know, it
0: it it's this is so subjective in that really whatever you feel comfortable spending, whatever you want to spend, because you certainly don't even if you're even if you're staying on Disney property. I, I mean, it's not difficult to order groceries to your room, to put together sandwiches, put together lunch in the morning before you go to the parks, to have something in the room in, in the evening for dinner. So I, I think you could truly spend zero in the parks for food, but then yeah, you could I mean you could eat a table service meal for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and spend 50 bucks a person a day.
1: Yeah, exactly. So like, like we said, it's just, you know, cater it to what your needs are. Uh, You know, reach out to us if you have questions, Um, check out the restaurants online. You can see kind of a general idea of how much a table service meal is, see what you might like. This all kind of goes back into planning when you're about to be on your Disney trip. You know, if you know you're going to be in Magic Kingdom and you really want to eat at Cinderella's Royal Table, well, understand that's going to be not a cheap, not a cheap meal. But, you know, if you are, you know, in Tomorrowland and you want to go to Cosmic Rays, you know, or a similar type restaurant like that or, you know, Casey's Corner, you're going to you know spend maybe, maybe 10 ten fifteen $15 for a meal. So, yeah, just it's all about customizing and making it your own.
0: And this is where the dining plan comes into play for a lot of people because if you get the dining plan dependent on what you're going to be doing, if you're going to be eating table service every day, if you're going to be eating quick service every day, the dining plan can really help you plan for that in advance. Are you going to have extra costs? Yeah, probably. But having that dining plan booked in advance and, and spending the money in advance will give you a really good idea of what your food budget is without having any surprises at the end of your trip. And, and to piggyback on that, we've, we do have kind of another question that relates to this. We're going to Disney next month with our 14 and 16-year-old. We'll all have magic bands. Is there any way to control what they can and cannot charge? Is there a way to track what charges they're making? So... As far as controlling what they can and can't charge, kind of, uh, when when you check into the hotel, or you can do this through the website or through the app, you can set a, well, you will set a pin to be able to charge to your room with the magic bands. If you don't give them the pin, obviously, they're not going to be able to charge anything. So that cuts both ways, though. If they're not with you and they need to charge something, they're not going to be able to unless they know the pin. So... Yes, kind of. Now, as far as tracking, for me, not being able to track is half the fun. Right <laughs> I like getting that email from Disney on the last day of the trip and seeing how high we can get that number. But <laughs> it's not exactly a common experience.
2: I, you know, I went with, and and maybe it was just the PIN number that stopped you know when i went with with my mom and my wife they said they they didn't want charging privileges on the magic band so they could kind of track it better so i i can't remember if i just didn't tell them the pin or they didn't want another pin but we stayed together for most most time now as a 14 and 16 year old i can i can remember going away and kind of doing something on my own what you could do is is give give them some cash if you know you, you want to make sure you're limiting it maybe 20 bucks where they're not going to go crazy with something, they could get a bottle of water if they needed it, they'd get a snack if they needed it, and and I would probably lean toward not telling them the pin, because as Pete has alluded to, that number can balloon quite quickly in Disney World,
0: and and it certainly will.
1: And with that being said, we have another question that I see here that segues pretty well. Um, so this is kind of a long question. It looks like there's um, maybe two questions built into one. But the question is, what are the best ages to take children to Disney World? When is the right time to take your child for the first time? And then how far between gaps? So the example here is age 3, 6, 12. And then when does Disney wear off? High school, college, like when is Disney not the right time to take your kid? So like I said, there's a multiple questions in here. Let's just unpack them one by one. Uh, Pete, you know, with, as the... The parent in this group, when do you plan on taking your daughter on her first trip?
0: I, I think right now, and she's a little bit over two. Right now is a little too early. I'm thinking four, four and a half, five is really the earliest that I would want to take her. I, I think before that, kids don't really get as much out of it as as they would at a later age. I mean, w- do they enjoy it? Will they have a good time? Sure, but I don't. I don't think she would get as much out of it. So I, I'm saying four or five. That that is the earliest that i would take a kid
2: okay yeah and so, I, I think there's two schools of thought. there five has always been the magic number in my head but if you are itching as a parent to go and your in-laws don't want to watch the baby or you, or you want to you, you don't want to leave the baby behind go before they turn three because it's free if if, if you get to that age three i'd probably just go ahead and wait till five because they are going to get more out of the trip but if you need to go before they turn three That's that's fine, too, because you won't actually have to pay for park admission for the young one.
1: So attacking some of the the next questions in here, for me, I know I started going to Disney World at five, six years old. I can't remember exactly when, but I went for every year, like every summer virtually until I was about 16, 17, 18 years old. And about 16 or 17 is when I started having the, the charm of Disney wear off. And it wasn't necessarily that I stopped enjoying Disney, but we would go on spring break or would be going like during basketball camp or something when all my friends were doing something different. And I kind of realized that I would rather be at basketball camp or I'd rather be, you know, on high school spring break than at Disney with my family. So I think just, you know, if you don't plan it for a time and your kids going to be doing something different like I did, they're going to have an absolute blast, but yeah, spacing it out. And what do you guys think about spacing it out? How many years between a trip? Is it all just kind of what you can afford and it's still where you want to be?
0: Yeah, I think as long as they're enjoying it and you can afford it, why not go?
1: Yeah, I mean, every year was awesome
2: for me. My wife um, has been to Disney multiple times. It was probably a little less frequent for her. And it's weird. I'd say like 16, 17, 18 is when my interest changed. It's not like I didn't love Disney World, but there were other things to do, kind of like Matt said. And now I'm in my 20s and absolutely love going. I mean, it's, you know, Pete and I laughed. When we did the last Men Do Disney trip, it was like, oh, all right. Well, maybe, maybe next year we can put something else together. And three, three months later, we have another trip booked. <laughs> so, if you can afford it, and 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 everyone's enjoying it in the family, and it's something that is a compromise the entire family wants to do, I don't see any issue going more often than not for your for your family vacation. But I would say, as far as where does it wear off, that seventeen, eighteen age. But then it comes. But then for us, it all has come back. The older we've gotten, the more we enjoy it. It's just a different way of enjoying it.
1: I will I will say one thing that changed one thing that changed Disney for me, and I was in a different situation than most. But when I was in that, let's say, 13 to 16 to 17, you know, 13 to 17 age group, my family was fortunate enough to be able to afford to take one of my best friends with me. So I had my best friend with me, and we were experiencing Disney kind of on our own, doing our own thing. And like you kind of felt like a little bit of like a grown-up. Well, I know every family can't afford to take, you know, your child's best friend. Maybe you maybe that, you know, the best friend's family can help you with that. But that's what was really enjoyable for me is I got to do Disney with my best friend.
2: I'll, I'll move on to one of our next questions. What is one ride, attraction, parade, restaurant, you know, just kind of a Disney thing that you wish you could bring back to Walt Disney World? I can and Pete.
1: Um, <laughs> I'm going to guess Pete's.
0: Do, do, I, do I even need to say anything here?
1: So we, maybe we have some new listeners, so maybe maybe let the new listeners know. Yeah, Pete, go ahead and lead us off.
0: Uh, Twenty thousand leagues? No, I'm kidding. The <laughs> obviously the great movie ride.
1: So,
2: man, this is a tough question. I would probably lean to Spectro Magic. That for some reason there was something magical about Spectro Magic. Uh, it was probably the age I was at when it was in Walt Disney World, and I th- I just think Magic Kingdom is not the same without a nighttime parade.
1: Yeah, yeah. For me, it's it's. I'm not going to say if, whether it's. Spectre Magic or another parade that was there at different times throughout my childhood, but um, just a nighttime parade at Magic Kingdom. There needs to be one Disney. If you're listening, please bring it back because there is something so magical about it. And you know everything else is going on Disney right now. A nighttime parade at Magic Kingdoms needs to happen again. Um, I mean, I'm thinking about like, is there a restaurant? Is there you know another thing that you guys miss or an old ride?
0: No, I mean they brought they brought back Pizza Rizzo, and I, there really wasn't any place else in the parks to get crappy pizza. So I'm glad that it's I'm uh, glad that it's returned.
1: I mean, Alien Encounter for me, that was the ride that I kind of grew up being scared of, and then loving. I wish that was still there, but I understand how people got scared by it. I mean, Pete, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, you're probably the only one old enough from us to actually remember that attraction. So I appreciate you making. Yeah, me it, it. it
0: was good, but but I think I'm in the same boat with you. I think the uh, Alien Encounter is. Uh, is is kind of my next choice after the great movie ride.
1: Can
2: can I talk about a couple rides, attractions, things they need to take away? Just, just to uh, is, pull is, a few out there.
0: <laughs> is Rivers of Light going to be Rivers one of them? Rivers of
2: Light, the Navi River Journey, both of them we could do without, and Tomorrowland Speedway. We also could go ahead and axe that too. So, But definitely, definitely Rivers of Light and Navi River Journey. You're wasting people's time. That's what you're doing.
0: So this, this sounds like it's right up your alley, Tom. We're staying at the Caribbean Beach, but we really liked the pools at the Polynesian. Last time we stayed there, can we go use the pools at any resort, or are we limited to the one we're staying at? Why
1: is that right? Before up Thomas my alley? talks, before Thomas talks, I don't even think he's his body has seen the sun in like three years. So for this being up Tom's alley with a pool, I'm not so sure. I,
0: I thought you guys got kicked out of the pool somewhere you weren't supposed to be.
2: Did, did I make that up? So I often do jump resorts and go enjoy the resort, but no, I do not go enjoy the pools. So here's, here's my, okay, let's just, I'm going to be honest with you. No, you are not supposed to go use the pools at any resort. As in, you should use the pools at Caribbean beach. Your magic bands would work there. Uh, all the, obviously all the access to your room is there, but I will say this, you can do it. It is frowned upon. You would have to have someone kind of open the, the gate to let you in. But once you're in, I, I don't see how Disney's really gonna police it. You know, as far as if you order something and try to charge it to the room, you can't say, Oh, I'm actually at the Caribbean beach, just charge it over there. You know, you would have to have money to pay for drinks, food, whatever it may be. But yeah, it's it's very it, it'd be frowned upon and Disney would tell you, No, you cannot do that.
1: What I'm picturing here is like cousin Eddie in Christmas vacation just showing up at the gate with a cooler and it's like flippers on. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't I don't, know if you can really do it. I think the, the my magic bands have kind of done away with this. I think it's a lot harder to do now.
2: No, I mean, it's it's you just you'll, you'd have your magic band on. You would look just like anyone else there. Your magic band just wouldn't open the pool. So, yeah, I mean, you could do it.
1: So, I guess, like, how weird would you look without your magic band on?
0: You know, I, I think the ultimate point here is that, no, you're not supposed to. Yeah, yeah. And, and we'll leave it at that.
1: We'll keep it there. Um, here's another question we have. Headed to Orlando for two work trips over the next six months. Each trip, I will be down there three days for work, and it's going to be a conference, so I'll be tied up during the day. But thinking about getting an annual pass just for these trips. My work will pay for my hotel and food while I'm there for the conference, and I'll have evenings free. But I'll probably go a bit early just to maximize the My Disney experience. Should I go ahead and bite the bullet on an annual pass for these two trips over the next six months? Am I going to come out ahead, or am I going to come out behind? What do y'all think?
0: No. For for three days, two three-day trips, no, it's not worth it. I mean, it, it's close. It's pretty... I was going to say,
1: hold on. It's pretty close. I would... I mean, I think I think, I think think this person is also saying they were going to come down early and get extra time in the park. Like, It's definitely not worth it just for evenings in the park. But if you're going to go two days ahead of your conference and you're going to maximize your time, so you're basically saying 10 days in the parks will, I guess, take half days in the account. So... Four full days in the park and two half days, or something like that. The
2: half day doesn't doesn't change my way of thinking because it's still you're still paying the same price for admission.
0: I well, I mean, a three day ticket, a three day ticket is three hundred fifty bucks with non park, park hopper. with non park hopper, three day park hopper is like four hundred and thirty.
2: I would say this is getting close to worth it. My follow up question would be: Do you have any intentions of going to Disney again within the year, even if it's just I think for that's one the day? Key question. Yeah, that's the that's do this. the key question. But if
1: so, let's if, say you have like a trip with friends possible in nine months, then yeah, go ahead and do this.
2: Yeah, I, I think uh, Pete says no, I say yes, probably. But I like, I mean, that you now have your excuse to go to Disney. If you want to go just one more time throughout the year, it's worth it. I mean, you, you very rarely yeah. will you go to Disney World and not have to pay for a hotel or food. So it's you, true, there, you really it's a you're gonna maximize the because the last thing you want is to go on these two three day trips. Maybe go a couple of days early and then later in the year, you, you're back there for a work trip and you'd want to do the same thing.
1: Now, what I will also say is like, if you're going there for a work conference, please go to your work conference. Don't just go down there and go to Disney.
2: Hey, that is for you to decide and only you to know.
0: <laughs> That's between you and whoever you work for. But I, I think, you know, if you're buying two four day single park tickets, you're still coming out under the, the cost of an annual pass. But yeah, I agree. If you're going down any more, if you're going down for more than four days a trip, like it, it gets really you're really close at that point.
2: All right, what do we have next? So, next question: My husband and I are planning a trip with our two kids, one of whom is an infant. Do we need to include her in our ADRs, or do we make the reservation just for my husband and older child
0: and I? So you you do have to include the child on the dining reservation, and and the reason for it is that so let's say. You've got a husband and wife going down with an infant who's not on the dining reservation. You you wouldn't have room at a two top at say be our guest for a high chair, right? You would need a bigger table for that infant. So, when, when I now you're not going to have to pay you're not going to have to pay for, for that, right? Right. But they still do need to be on the reservation.
2: I guess taking the step further for fast passes, you probably wouldn't have to put them on fast passes, right?
0: That I don't know. I mean, if they're not going to ride the ride, you know, if you're talking about an infant. I would say you're going
2: to, you're going to be doing rider switch. Correct. Okay.
0: But for, for advanced dining reservations. Yeah. I mean, if you have four people, you need to make a reservation for, for four people, because again, they may put you at a smaller table that doesn't accommodate a booster seat or a high chair or whatever else you have. So you want to make sure that they're aware of that. Well,
2: moving to one of our next questions, which is, one of my favorite questions we have. We're getting ready to book FastPass reservations for our trip, which is in about three months. We're staying on Disney property, so we know we can book FastPasses 60 days out, but what time can we start?
0: Tom, <laughs> how, <laughs> how long did it take us to figure this one out? Uh, it, did it take us a little while? I mean, I feel like we just... it was. I mean, I I can remember a trip waking up at midnight thinking, I'm going to get the FastPasses booked.
1: I remember...
2: And
0: it's been several years. But I
2: remember... a. a thinking for some reason it i mean I, I Pete I remember actually staying up till 3 a.m. thinking oh and it, now it's fair game because it'll be midnight on the west coast so the day has turned <laughs> but do not do this do not stay up till midnight do not stay up till 3 a.m. I think it's is it 6 or 7 a.m. It's 7 7 a.m. So eastern 7 time. a.m. on the 60 day out the 60 day out you can book your fast pass for the entirety of your trip i can't recommend this enough the trip we're going on in june we were within the 60 day window already and have struggled to i don't want to say struggled we've done pretty well
0: we've we've gotten very fortunate on on our fast passes we'll we'll put it that way i actually managed to snag an 830 flight of passage like 45 days out from the trip so
2: but it does make it increasingly more difficult if you're inside the 60 day window and you have not booked your fast passes obviously the further in advance the better
1: i'll say right now based on what i'm hearing thomas and pete say if you have a Disney trip anytime outside of 60 days from now, go ahead and put a notification in your phone for 7 a.m. that you can go ahead and start booking things because that is by far the easiest way to remember anything in the world. Just tell, tell Siri to remind you.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. All right, so ne- next question. What is the maximum amount of people to bring on a Disney trip and still have a good time? Thinking about how many people for, per ride, maneuvering through the park and dinner reservations. We are thinking about a combo bachelor and bachelorette party at Disney. I'm very anti this.
1: I'm anti the concept of a bachelor and bachelorette party together on a trip. But if you're bringing 28 people or 20 people and trying to walk through Disney, I'm going to be frustrated at you. I'm going to Disney dad walk and break up your party.
0: Well, here's, here's my problem with this is that the more people you have, the more opinions you have, right? I mean, everybody has their own opinion on what they want to do, what they want to see. As you add people to to your group, you get more and more opinions, and and it turns into you can't decide what to do, so you don't do anything. I, I've seen it happen a lot. I think that we had six guys on the last trip we took, and I think that's the limit of what I would want. I think any more than six, and you you start to get... It gets a little bit more difficult if you're not splitting up. Now, can you split up into smaller groups? Absolutely.
2: yeah, I, I think that's the critical piece here. Uh, I agree. the you know my wife's family is a large family and they do Disney in a large group. but I don't think they're afraid to go their separate ways and some folks have interest in this, some have interest in that and they make it work just fine and have an absolute blast. And you know, I think one way you could look at it is split up. Do your own thing during the day if that's an option, and then
1: just try to get everyone together for dinner that evening, because any even when you think about dinner, how many eight how many eight tops are there at the restaurants, or how many ten tops you can get you can get
2: reservations at Disney for Disney Dining. They won't take they won't parties that big. I mean they they do, but for the fast passes, you're going to struggle. I mean you you we did it with six people, and our group actually was split up at sometimes. You know we'd have two doing this and four doing this or three doing this and three doing that. And it, it you know, if you're opening to splitting up, I think it's fine. Don't worry about your maximum number of people, but if you want to actually move through the park as one unit and keep everyone together and being right, being all the lines together, being on all the rides together, it's going to make your trip miserable.
0: Well, not, not only that, as far as making dining reservations, remember that there are a couple of places and the main one is Cinderella's Royal table. That if you make an advanced dining reservation for Cinderella's Royal Table, you have to prepay for it. So if you're making an advanced dining reservation for 30 people at Cinderella's Royal Table, it's going to be a big hit to your credit card right up front. So remember that. But but yeah, same boat. I I don't... The more people you get, the less fun it is. There are a lot of restaurants that can accommodate large groups. But I mean, how much fun is it to eat with 25 other people anywhere? So I, I think... If you're, if you're planning on going on a trip with a larger group like this, I think you break it down in advance, maybe four or five people that go together all day, maybe try to meet up at night, maybe do your own thing, and then try to get together throughout the day rather than everybody trying to move together. It's just getting around is hard with a, with a big group. And, and like Matt said, you're going to frustrate a lot of other park guests because you've got this huge clump of people.
2: You see it a lot, though. I mean, you, you go and you do drinking and eating around the world in Epcot. You see big 10-plus par- parties. And I can actually remember we, when we walked into the Mexico Pavilion our last trip, we noticed uh, it was a – I don't know if it was a bachelorette party or just a family get-together, and they all had matching shirts, and it was like 10 to 15 people. And we said, hey, guys, we, we either need to spend a lot of time in, in Mexico Pavilion and distance ourselves this way, or we need to get out of here quickly and come back later. To get ahead of this group because you knew they were doing the same thing we were doing they were going to visit every country in, in, a, in a row
1: yeah and i think past that like you know i know my mom likes to take her um students, mom's a teacher she takes her students to disney world every two years on, like a combined you know class field trip and i just can't imagine having that many bodies to take into account and make sure everyone's where they're supposed to be and if you're talking about a bachelorette bachelor party i can just see somebody getting left behind if you have too many people. Um, all right so let's let's move on to our, ne- our next que- our next question here. And guys, this is a question that I really don't know a lot about, but I just wanted to kind of say something on it. The question is, is it hard to go to the Disney golf courses and get a tee time? Um I've never played golf at Disney. I'm not sure, but one thing I will say in any type of question like this where you don't know the answer, please call, you know, Disney, call their you know their, their phone number, call find a cast member, ask this question. Because you will get the answer that you need, you know. That's a, that's a, for anything at Disney World. You know, ask a cast member. But do you guys know about this at all?
2: Yeah, I've I have never played golf at Disney World. I would say it would be much easier to get a reservation or a tee time rather to play golf than it would be to get a Fast Pass for your favorite attraction. I don't think the golf courses are going to be that backed up. Uh, there are a lot of really nice golf courses in Florida, so a lot of options. You know, folks may not they go may go to Disney and go play elsewhere. But just like anything, I mean, the further in advance you can do it, the better. I would assume you should be able to get on the golf course at any time. Uh, I would not take this to be very difficult. Uh, moving to the next question. It's kind of an opinion question, so no right or wrong answer. Uh, how do we, as as a podcast group, feel about the live-action Disney movies that have been coming out into theaters lately? Um, you guys take a stab at it.
0: I'm okay with them. Uh, they're not groundbreaking or earth shattering or you know that different that it's something that oh my god i have to go see this but i mean they're okay
1: i think i'm in the same ballpark as as pete i'm excited for them i'm excited for the newness that you know people that have not grown up with the animated features are experiencing and they're seeing their favorite characters um i definitely think this is disney just cashing in on grabbing (laughs) grabbing their (laughs) and the next the next group of um Devoted Disney fans, because you know everyone that grew up in my time, you know when I was younger, or grew up in Pete's time because he's way older than me, are taking their kids to see these movies and sharing the experience. And I think that um, that's basically what's happening with these. And if you love Disney, go see them. I've seen a handful of them. I enjoy them, but you know, I'd, I'd like for them to come out with some new content in the in the future.
2: Uh, so <clears throat> I'm okay with it. I'm actually, I'm not. As Die Hard, like I'm gonna go see every single one of them. I pick and choose which ones I want to see. With that being said, I'm extremely excited for Aladdin and extremely excited for Lion King. I know Aladdin's got some mixed reviews early, not that it's in theaters, but just people's opinion of what it's going to be like. I think everyone universally is excited for the Lion King. I thought the Beauty and the Beast movie was very good. I've heard mixed things on Dumbo. I did not think Jungle Book was very good, so it's kind of I'm hit or miss, but it doesn't it doesn't bother me one way or the other. I do think Disney is smart in how they, they go and make money. But I think the Lion King will probably be very good and I think Aladdin has a chance to be okay as well.
0: Wanna take that one step further, did you see Disney just release their slate of movies for the next couple of years? If they
2: hit Avatar was it was it five or seven? Five <laughs> yeah, Avatar five by twenty twenty five or something like that. Yeah, oh my gosh. They they really are we're gonna try and rejuvenate that franchise. I, I just I, I'll I'll believe it. When I see it on avatar moving that that far along, but yeah, that was uh, kind of surprising to see um moving to our next question, what is your favorite Disney World experience that does not get the publicity or attention you think it should? I let you one of you guys start this
0: How about the tiki 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 room?
1: I'm gonna say Mickey's Philhard magic
2: okay i I kind of suspected that from Matt Pete, is that your real answer?
0: No, I just wanted to say Tiki a bunch of times
1: said
2: this it's exciting a, a so for me yeah, this is
1: all about this is all about things that. I don't know. I, I like Mickey's PhilharMagic. I was thinking about this question, and I guess it kind of goes hand in hand with the other question we had earlier, think like things you miss. And it's just like, you know, I don't think about the things that aren't there anymore, and I think about like the big things most of the time. I would say just the, like, I think what goes underrated is the ambiance of being at Disney, like the Disney bubble, having that being a child feeling again. I think that's what, I think it's under-publicized for Disney. I mean, everyone thinks about the rides, or they think about their favorite characters. But I think that...
0: So how about the Muppets? I, to me, the Muppets are the most neglected thing at Disney World. I, I think that Muppet Vision 3D is great. Did I just call it Muppet
1: Vision? Muppet, I think I, did. Yeah, I heard that.
0: I think Muppet Vision 3D is great. I think that if, if they were to put any money in Muppet Vision 3D at all and change the story a little bit so maybe there were three or four rotating shows that it would get a lot more attention. Because I, I really think... It's underutilized. It's a it's a good show. It's it's kind of funny.
2: Okay, so this is tough for me, as it probably was for you guys. I I, I, there's actually so let me let me give my my what's going on in my head. The People Mover is something I love, but I think it's publicized. Like I think people get it, and I think people love it, and they talk about it. Even though there's no way there's definitely
1: there's definitely a People Mover like hashtag. So
2: people really are. It's a cult thing. So I'm gonna have so so I'm gonna have to, and, and I think Buzz Lightyear. Like people in you know, a forty minute wait, like people get get behind that. So that, but I, I am gonna stay in Tomorrowland with this Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor. I' am telling you, I every every time I go, I like it even more. And there's never been one time where I thought the jokes were so cheesy they weren't funny. I send in jokes every time. I laugh my head off, and it's so and it's there's a lot of other pros about it. Air conditioned, the very uncomfortable seats, but they are seats. And the jo- and it's a brand new show every time.
0: Well, I mean, why do you think it's why do you think it is? Like it doesn't get the attention because I agree. I think it's a good show.
2: I don't know. I, I don't know if people, I mean, cause there is some corniness to it and, and,
0: but I think that'd be great for little kids, right? I mean, you would think that people would be lining up to take their kids in here because it's, I mean, it's kid humor.
2: And, but the thing they do well is they have adult jokes that are not inappropriate that kids don't get. I mean, the kid laughs at that guy because it's, Mike Wazowski saying it. We laugh because of how miserable that guy typically looks. It's funny. Uh, I don't know. I if I had, that that'd be my underappreciated because it, it's one show is typically what you wait. I mean, I've never seen. I've never been and waited longer than just the show ahead of me.
0: No, I agree. And if if they could add some of that to you know some of that spontaneity and some of that live acting to a Muppet Vision 3D, so combine the two attractions. You know, i i think that uh, I think that would do wonders for the Muppets. So, I mean, I agree with that. I think I think Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor is is grossly underrated. And one thing that I don't the, think I don't think Mickey's PhilharMagic is
2: one thing that gets <laughs> sorry, Matt. More attention than need be is Rivers of Light, and Navi River Journey. So, let's shift that attention somewhere where it'd be better. Or better. I mean, you know what? I I don't need to talk about it anymore.
0: <laughs> they're they're redoing Rivers of Light. Did you see that? They're like. Changing the music and they're changing the show be- because of the negative re- re- reaction that people Just have had to scrap it. Scrap so the show. Y- your words have been heard. Just scrap
2: it. I'd rather sit there and stare at the tree of life for forty minutes to see what pops up there.
0: But they've got that brand new amphitheater there. I mean, what do you do with that? Move Fantasmic there.
2: I don't know. I I don't know. Put the put the Sorcerer Mickey's hat there. I don't know. Do something. Can't can it? Just get rid of it. Dump dump rivers of light in it. That's what you do. So here here's our fine I think our final question we had thinking about joining Disney Vacation Club. Do you guys think this is worth it? What are some of the pros and cons? I would say Pete may have the most experience just being aware of the program, so I'll let you you know you start it off Pete.
0: All right, so let me start off by saying that Disney Vacation Club is a timeshare. And typically I am super anti timeshare, and that's because As soon as you buy them, the value immediately drops to zero. Like there's no resale market for most timeshares. Disney Vacation Club is a little different in that there is a resale market. And your points do have value. So as far as pros and cons go for Disney Vacation Club, if you're asking this question, I'm assuming you've done a little bit of research into it. So the first con to Disney Vacation Club is that it's expensive. You know, upfront costs, you're looking at... Somewhere between 170 and 220 dollars per point that you buy. So, you know, a, a normal size contract, you're looking at a 22 to 25 thousand dollar investment right off the bat, and, and that, is, uh, that gets you points for 50 years. Second part of that is that you pay maintenance fees on those points between four and eight dollars a point per year. So you could be looking at another 400 to 800 dollars per year on a hundred point contract. So it's expensive. Uh, second con is that typically Disney vacation club rentals fill up very fast. So you've got to plan Their, Disney vacation club is not good for spontaneous trips. Typically you've got to plan well in advance. Uh, and then the third con is that it, it locks you into Disney kind of, and I'll, I'll explain why in a minute, but you know, buying a timeshare at Disney world is saying, I'm going to go to Disney world every single year. Or I'm going to go to Disneyland every single year which if you're going to do it it's not a bad thing. So as far as pros go.
2: Another con I don't I think we could potentially glazed over. It does not include admission into the park. So you're going to spend all this money and you still have to pay to go into the park whether that be a discounted annual pass or discounted t- day you know day tickets you purchase.
0: Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So but as far as on the pro side, you know the, the pros are it it locks you into going to Disney every year, right? I mean, so Nothing wrong with that. You you're pretty much setting up your vacation, and and these are fifty year contracts, so for a long time. You
2: also can sit back, choose not to go to Disney, resell your points, cover your maintenance fees, and make a little money in the process. You're not going to have trouble selling your points. Oftentimes, the folks who do sell the points are sold out. So
0: that's you, correct.
2: That's correct. Pro would be if you if you're looking for a long term investment. This is an investment that would end up paying you back. If you chose not to go at all, sold all your points every year, it does cover the maintenance fee and it would begin to chip away at that initial investment of what, 30 or 40 grand you're probably sinking in?
0: Eventually, yeah. I mean, and it's it's slow going depending on how many points you buy, but you're, you're 100% right. Typically, you can sell points for between 14 and $15 a point right now, I think. Maintenance fees max out at about 10 bucks a point. So you're going to make 5 bucks a point roughly
1: you better love disney and you better say i'm gonna love disney for the next 50 years and
0: well but you don't have to because again these have resale value now you're not going to get what you paid for no question about that right now you know what a a contract that you paid two hundred dollars a point for you may be able to get 160 dollars or 150 dollars a point for so you do lose some in there because you lose some of the benefits if you buy on the resale market You don't get the discounts on tickets. You don't get the annual pass discounts. You don't get to go to the DVC member events. Uh, So you do lose some of those benefits, but you can get them substantially cheaper on the resale market. Disney doesn't want you to do this because they want you to spend the money with them. They don't make any money from you if you buy resale. But, uh, but, But resale does exist. And that's why I say that this is not like a typical timeshare that loses all its value and you can't find anybody to buy it. I mean, these things go quick. If if you list a, a DVC contract and it's at a reasonable price, typically it's going to sell pretty quickly. Pro there, uh, I, I guess one other pro is that you, know, you do save a substantial amount of money over paying standard rack rates at, at Disney hotels. If you look at it on a per point basis, I mean, if you're spending $200 a point for 50 years plus your maintenance fee, I mean, you're still coming out ahead. So, I guess whether or not this works for you really depends on what your plans are. Are you going to go to Disney a lot? What your what your financial situation is? I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if you have to finance this, if you can't put the cash down, it's almost never going to be worth it because Disney charges, I want to say 15% interest. It's something exorbitant for, for, uh, for interest on this. So it's definitely not something you want to finance if you can avoid it. You definitely want to pay cash. And then and then reap all the benefits, but it is an expensive investment. But if you're going to use it, why not?
2: Yeah, I mean, as an alternative, I would say annual pass is a much cheaper way to go. Yes, you don't have the benefits of staying in the DVC resorts, but you could do an annual pass and then buy points if you want it on the resale market. So there's a bunch of different ways that to kind of skin the cat. I chose we we chose annual pass. You know, we, we have not considered investing in Disney Vacation Club, but we also don't have the cash to do it. So uh, that kind of ends the conversation for us. But that was it. That was our last listener question we had this evening.
0: Well, good, and and as always, if you guys have any additional questions, anything like that, feel free to send them in. You know, we'll we'll try to answer them on an episode, or we'll we'll plan more of these episodes. So with that, Tom, trivia question, secret. Let's,
2: let's knock it out. So secret of the night. Did you know, just before the last drop on Splash Mountain, the opening you go through is actually a profile view of a hidden Mickey. Uh, this something I did not know and had to had to fact check. So that's kind of neat. Uh, It kind of reminds me of the hidden Mickey, the aerial view of Hollywood Studios at one point. Uh, Going to the trivia question, last week uh, it was, where can you find an interactive tarantula at Disney World? Of course, that is the Jungle uh, Jungle Cruise queue. If you uh, act like you're going to get near or mess with this, this tarantula may jump at you or or move or rattle a cage. Uh, So it kind of can startle you if you're not aware of it.
0: I I, I think we debated this one, too, because I think there's a giant tarantula that shoots... Spikes at you on, tough to be yeah, above. That's,
2: that's not interactive to me.
0: It, it shoots stuff at you. How's that? Well, not we've interactive? given you
2: both tarantulas at Disney World that are interactive. I guess. Moving to the trivia question for this week, uh, what do the thirteen lanterns hanging from the Liberty Tree Tavern area oak tree represent? Uh, if you walk through Liberty Tree, or if you walk through um, Liberty Square rather, you'll notice a massive oak tree, and there are thirteen lanterns hanging from it. What do they represent? You can email us at mendoowdw at gmail.com or tweet us at podcast with your guests and we will have the answer for you next week.
0: All right. Well, anything else for this week? That's all for me. Alright, well that's all we've got. Please tune in next week for some more Disney magic. Look for us on the Twitter at WDW Podcast. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments, please tweet us or email us at menduwdw at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. We'll see you next week.